0: The ARA acknowledges the traditional owners of the land where we have recorded this podcast, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to the Elders past, present and recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders as Australia's first traders, who utilise a sophisticated network of trading paths that have facilitated the exchange of goods, knowledge and culture for millennia.
1: Hi, I'm Paul Zara, CEO of the Australian Retailers Association, and welcome to Season 2 of Retail Therapy, a podcast proudly brought to you by American Express. The ARA is Australia's oldest, largest, and most diverse retail body, representing around 7,500 independent, national, and international retail members, with more than 100,000 shop fronts. Significantly, 95% of our membership is small business, who are our focus for season two. Small business is big business. In this season, we'll be getting to know the people behind the small businesses that are the lifeblood of so many of our communities. We'll be chatting to industry leaders who are shaping the small business landscape and learning more about the digital innovations that are driving them to success. Joining me in the Amex lounge for some retail therapy today is the Honourable Bruce Billson, the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman. Bruce Billson took on this role in March 2021, bringing grassroots experience and knowledge to the role from his high-profile position as Cabinet Minister for Small Business and having run his own small business in 2016. Bruce, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Well, fab to be with you and your listeners. At, and you've left out the juiciest part of it. Uh-huh. I was a former retailer.
1: Oh, my God. Well, let's fine go Australian there. Australian <laughs> arts
2: and craft business. And, I mean, your listeners would know the joy of owning a business with your spouse until uh-huh. they talk uh-huh. of cash flow. What a great... Uh, what a great joy that is. So now live the dream, sir. Live the dream. Well,
1: the cash flow is always the biggest issue, isn't it, for <laughs> small business? So, um, you know, the fact that arts and craft, well, you know, that's going to make a big uh, comeback there, Bruce. So maybe there's an opportunity to um, reinvent yourself once again.
2: Well, you can imagine it was called Beauty in the Beach and it was uh, down in Mornington and we, were, we had a, a gallery and a few other things in it. And and like many of your listeners, Gee, we hope for great Mother's Days every year, and if the weather was cactus, uh, uh, then our
1: numbers didn't look so great. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I imagine Mother's Day and Christmas would be the big selling um, uh, times for arts and crafts.
2: Yeah, big time. I mean, we we uh, I suppose we we're in a space that you know many of your listeners were in, where we'd. Uh, we'd offer a very bespoke kind of offering, but with online channels coming in, you'd you'd showcase your bespoke offering. And and who would have guessed, not long after, there'd be something that looked very much like it coming from other Uh places at a different price. So we were, you know, we're loving all that. And, uh, you know, we're navigating landlords that weren't, always as empathetic with our plight as we'd like them to be. So well, I carry the scars.
1: You but, do. Uh, well, were <laughs> you pleased to know, of course, the issues are still the same. It's it's all no, about no. Um, uh, landlords and uh, payroll uh, costs, I guess. So we'll, we'll, we'll get we've to that We
2: made a shortly. bit of progress. We made a bit of progress after leaving public life. I was a founding uh, director of Judo Bank just trying to tackle that uh, uh, access to finance question right. from uh, from. Uh, I suppose the market side, after seeing how far we could get regulation to make a contribution. So, yeah, it's a been a fun journey but it's great to be
1: with you today Paul. Well I'm looking forward to our chat. Look it's hard to see the word small business anywhere these days without your name being mentioned. You've been a very strong voice. Well yeah you've been a very strong voice for small business interests across the country during this difficult year and I guess you knew what you were getting yourself into taking on this role in a pandemic and having also served as cabinet minister or or did you? What drew you to this role? What do you love about this sector?
2: Look, I, I I love small business men and women. The enterprise that runs through their veins sort of sprinkles through mine as well. And I guess, you know, in, in my early life, seeing what a vital contribution small and family businesses were making, and not just to the economy, but the vitality, the vibrancy of a of, of a community. And you know it well in a retail lens that, you know, promenading down through a nice retail precinct is as much a leisure, leisure and visitor economy issue as it is the, the sale of goods and services so it's 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 that lens i suppose i did know what i was getting into because when i used to be somebody as a as a cabinet minister paul i, mm. yeah, I actually created this role um That's and it's very never clever quite anticipated that i'd end up finding myself in it well you know it was around the time when we were really looking for policy actions that would energize enterprise and you know, people were realising that uh, economic growth to get it above sort of business-as-usual trajectory. You know, early in this 2022, I can say, uh, you know, the disproportionate role small and family businesses are playing in the recovery of the economy post-COVID when they felt a disproportionate burden of the pain last year and earlier. I mean, that was was really what was motivating me. And uh, one of the things that was missing was, you know, a champion within government. I mean, ministers are vital for... Raising awareness and setting the agenda, but within the bureaucracies of uh, of the public sector, there wasn't quite the depth of, uh, I, I suppose, field evidence, know how, and feel for the uh, um, the small business journey, and then around dispute resolutions, it, uh, too often you get into a, a bit of a headbutting exercise as a small business with a bigger business, and yes. you invariably don't fare too well. And I wanted to put something in place that celebrated the. Crucial contribution of small business made sure policymakers and people designing programs knew actually what was fit for purpose for small business and then uh, a, a way of getting rapid dispute resolution where we could to keep the business-to-business relationship in place, get the matter sorted, but get business back to business. So that was that was the motivation and here I find myself uh in what i created at that time so yes interesting that's true.
1: we're all better for for that um career and self-succession planning by the way that's all terrific because <laughs> i think um you know it's uh, it's good that you've planned for for your own career but equally for um small business so i'm <laughs> really pleased about that
2: it wasn't what was on the on the cards but i I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd been approached by by treasury to consider taking on another role it was close to some policy initiatives that i've led in as a minister and uh and then when it became known that i was i was open to that it was like well, well would you be open to this and uh <laughs> i felt well hang on that means me walking away from all of these private and business interests that i would worked really hard over five or so years building and that was really an emotional decision yes. but uh, my heart was in this role and uh I convinced my wife that, you know, I've always been a man of purpose over profit. She just wished it didn't hurt quite so much in making this transition. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, you know, good fun and, and and loving every bit of it. And, uh, you know, in this early part of year 2022, I'm, 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 I'm approaching a year in the role. So uh, hopefully making a contribution.
1: Amazing, and look, you know that's that's an amazing story. We we do see you everywhere, so we know you're working hard. We we, you appear in a lot of media and public-facing responsibilities that you've got to do as part of the role. But there'd be many listeners today thinking a little bit about you know a bit wanting to know a bit more behind the scenes. What exactly does the small business and family enterprise ombudsman actually do?
2: Yeah, and I touched on that just briefly before. I mean that that bit about being the champion for the small business and family community. And I suppose raising awareness and appreciation of what a vital contribution small and family businesses make is, is a key part of it. We also have that dispute resolution role, Paul, and that can be in a, a general sense uh, where businesses, one being small, runs into a, a little bit of locked horns, uh, a bit of a grievance with another. It might even be with the government, Paul, and often right, we're called okay. upon... Uh, and we did that particularly during the COVID recovery phase where people thought they were eligible for certain things and uh, they were getting a different decision out. And uh, so we, we get into that dispute resolution space. There's a couple of codes that are quite um, big and prominent in your audience's interests around franchising, food and grocery code, and the oil code, also in the dairy code, where there's you know inherently a risk of power imbalance between the parties and the You know, sometimes that adult-to-adult business relationship can get a little parent-child, a bit directive a bit finger-waving where the smaller business might be on the wrong end of it. So Mm. codes have been introduced to make sure businesses, uh, you know, engage commercially in a a fair way. And if that starts getting a bit of a wobble, we get called in to play a role. And I suppose the the third leg of that stool um, is all about raising awareness, bringing evidence together. Uh, being a real reliable data source um, of insights, and that might take the form of even inquiries. Paul, where we've got some powers to conduct our own inquiries. We've done some recent work that you would have seen late last year around insurance and how some businesses aren't really able to tap into the insurances that they need, and that this is a, you know, I'm, I'm no Harrison Ford, but you know, a clear and present danger to. Uh, them being able to trade. We do
1: that kind of work as well. That's amazing. What's the thinking around the title small and family businesses? Why the family business focus? What's special about the family part of small business, do you think, in Australia?
2: Yeah, well, you can blame me for that as well. That was something I thought was important when we were creating this agency. Um, That was six years ago it came into being. Uh, What I'd learned through my own experiences and also as a cabinet minister and you know, twenty years as an advocate for a, a, a you know a part of Greater Melbourne that relied very heavily on small and family businesses that they, they have some particular challenges, some particular dynamics and nuances, and that you know a lot of people and some policymakers think you you can neatly draw a line between uh, an individual as a citizen and a business as if they're two separate animals. Um, we all know, and you know, and we we're talking earlier about how. You know, in a, in a small business, so often uh, your personal assets are in, your home might be part of the collateral, you've got responsibilities for good governance in there, and, and, mm. and that family dimension can be so helpful but so challenging at the same time. And I saw legislation which just presumed there was a neat division, uh, and I thought, you know, hang on a minute, this isn't this isn't quite right. We've got laws in our country that if you want to sell a radio station um, you know, the new buyer has to do certain amounts of uh, uh, of local news content and those sorts of things. Um, yet, yet if you had a change in your family composition in that family business, that would actually trigger the equivalent of an ownership change. Yes. Going, oh, yes. Hang on. So, so, we need to think this through. You know, issues around succession planning as well are particularly uh, you know important in a family business where. The, the, the leaders are thinking in a multi-generational sense. Yes. Um, and we've seen, you know, in, uh, in, in economies like Germany where the Mittelstraats are very much family businesses taking that longer-term multi-generational perspective, but that means they've got different needs and different requirements, and I wanted to give a shout-out to that and raise awareness that this is an important dimension of our economy and our communities, and that was the reason for giving it such a focus.
1: It makes complete sense. Now, you spoke that a big part of your role is dispute resolution. Can I ask mm. how, how much of your time is spent on landlord-related issues?
2: Well, it's interesting. Not, not a lot because constitutionally um, they are the, uh, the, the domain of states and territories. So, you know, our, our, our constitutional authors have said, no, no, the states and territories can, can look after that. The feds, the we, we usually only get involved when it's sort of bundled in with a broader range of dispute issues. You know, you think yes. back to the end of last year, there were a number of, say, franchise businesses, particularly in CBDs, where, you know, there were some really challenged times because the foot traffic was nothing like what they'd imagined. Uh, and therefore, the tenancy matter, as a part of that franchising relationship, it came—you know—comes forward, and therefore we get involved with that. Um, but we've got great state small business commissioners sprinkled across most of the country, uh, and they have primary carriage of those sorts of responsibilities. I pick them up when it's—they're just part of a broader picture, or in places like. Uh, The Northern Territory, the ACT, and Tasmania, where there's no small business commission, or we might get involved in those. And I I suppose the other part of these, you know, in terms of thought leadership, we've been, uh, as you'd be aware, highlighting that the the adjustment, particularly for, you know, recovery impaired uh, communities and businesses, where let's pick the CBDs, the foot traffic is just nothing like it used to be. You and I might have been happy paying five grand a week for for, you know, rent of a, a small spot in a 40-storey office tower with 3,000 people walking past our door every day, we might have been able to make a living. But uh, those numbers aren't with us now, even though we're into, into the new year. Um, they'll take a while to recover. And the, uh, that proposition that was so attractive to us earlier, with all of that foot traffic and the opportunity for income, it just looks very different now. How, how do we make that adjustment when our competitor down the road uh, has someone who's not as heavily leveraged, is happy to adjust the rent and sees a longer term relationship. And they're up at about paying 1800 bucks a week. We're mm-hmm. left with 5K. I mean, they, they we'll get involved in those sorts of things. Right. And as you saw last year with that uh, national tenancy sort of code, yes. um, the feds brought that forward mainly because of financing ends of it. You know, commercial property owners borrowing mark to market the value of the place, you know, a multiple of rent. Um, you know, that, that became a, a dimension, but most of the day-to-day transactional stuff, that's a state and territory matter.
1: You started your role in a challenging time for small and family mm. businesses, and I'm sure much of your time in 2021 was spent helping businesses navigate through that uncertainty, which was the IRA's experience, of course, as well. What were some of the priority areas of focus for you?
2: Well, clearly, you're right, last year was challenging, and it, and it look, it's still challenging because... Uh, that that incredible optimism that enterprising men and women have encourages them to carry forward And, and for some the deferred leases the you know the 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 holiday for making payments against you know their loans and the like that's that's added up and now represents a heavier load in the saddlebag so we were we were very interested in some of the um, the safe harbour arrangements, the pausing of insolvency action, giving giving businesses with with a pulse, every opportunity to recover was a real focus. Yes. Complementary to that, we touched on earlier, um, you know, some of the the job seeker and cash flow boost programs, the eligibility criteria. Um, we may have had a view on, but our job is to make sure once those policies are set, the people eligible to benefit from them do so, and so we were we were quite involved in that immediate piece of work um going you know once that that immediate uh, let's call it disaster response phase was there recovery was the big issue um we've touched on some of the adjustment challenges particularly in that in that tenancy space digitization we were very very keen on and that's been a real savior for so many businesses and I know the ARA and yourself in particular Paul have been up and about on that it's Mm. it's proved to be very helpful but it's also a change in the market you know you get you get in those uh, digital spaces and particularly on platforms there's no sloppy margins anywhere because everyone can compare prices and they yes. go look i'd love to support my local person but look at the number that, yes. that for that item somewhere else so that can be a bit of a margin squeeze time we stayed very active on payment times you know, they, mm. they slipped out during um, the early part of last year. They then improved. They then slipped out again. So now we, we, we're we seeing people getting paid in a timely way. And, and then thinking forward about those that next phase, um, there's been a real renaissance in, in entrepreneurship over last year and into this one. And I think a lot of it, you know, people have decided they want to change the, the way they pursue their livelihoods and want more self-control and, In some cases, that's been forced upon them by that. You remember early last year when no one was quite sure what was going to happen, you saw a lot of business go back to their core, so a lot of specialists and technical team were, you know, made redundant or had hours reduced and some chose that time to set up their own consultancy businesses and or have their own go, you know, give their own business a go and that's that was a real shot in the arm. Many women did a disproportionate number of women started businesses. So uh, we've also been looking at, you know, what's the environment like for entrepreneurial women to get them to, you know, support them to have the wind in their sails. So they've been the real big priorities for us. Um, least cost routing we've been up and about on, as you know. Uh, yes. Just trying to make sure that that's not a, an, an additional um, burden that's higher cost than it needs to be and and, and holding up, you uh, you know, recovery and also in things like you know, e-invoicing, just looking at ways we can digitise the economy more generally and then through that look for greater vitality into the future and that's a, another area where we've been doing plenty of work.
1: Fantastic to hear. Now, I know that mental health and supporting individuals through challenging times is important to you and your team. I think we can all agree the last two years have been like no other for those of us who run a business. What has been the experience of small and a family enterprises and how are they feeling now? Well,
2: cautious optimism, thankfully. I mean, there is a, a, a spring in people's steps. I mean, you, you've seen the numbers over Christmas, they were quite in, encouraging, probably only curtailed by supply channel
1: issues that yes. you've
2: know, been very active on. And congratulations for you for that, mm. Paul. Um, but, you know, so there's, there's a spring in the step, uh, but owning your own business is a big responsibility at the best of times. Uh, no one could say the last two years have been the best of times in many businesses' lives. Although some have done remarkably well, they've been they've had a good pandemic, if I put it that way. They've just yeah. been right for the times. They've been structured to take account of limits on movements and lockdowns and the like, and they've done quite well for, for those needing you know foot traffic, eyeballs to to connect with you know uh, conversation to be had to delight their customers. It's been particularly difficult and. Uh, Mental health stressors have appeared. You know, we've seen uh, in the middle of last year a, a, a significant, a concerning number of people worried about what was going to happen when some of the government-funded supports came off. Um, you know, there'd been many people expecting really challenging times, and but but still an uncertain time. But believing it's got to be better than it was, and and for for too many, um, you know, the burdens and impacts of COVID have landed disproportionately on small and family businesses, less cash on the balance sheet, fewer avenues and options to change. You know, it's really been a, a punishing time. And, and you know, from your members, you know, business owners and leaders in the retail space really look to their team as family almost. Yes. So, you know, there's that responsibility for their own livelihoods and their own families, but then all those that rely upon them. That's seen uh, more people reaching out for programs like the New Access to Small Business Owners, yes. uh, um, Emotional Health Coaching Program that we help co-design with Beyond Blue. So for people listening, uh, jump on My Business Health uh, on my website and you'll get a lead through to that. But you also get a lead to some self-diagnostic tools, you know, just to check in, just to make sure that business owners who are usually very stoic actually take a moment to think about their own wellness and see them being their best selves connected with best prospects for their business there's some mindfulness apps around that are like smiling minds that are helpful but it's been a big issue because it's been a confronting time and uh, the uncertainty and, and 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 not knowing really whether you're going to survive or not particularly if it's your life's work Paul you know that you talk to your members um, this is everything they put time
1: and energy into it. So well, I, exactly, and I think the difference between, you know, small and medium enterprise and, you know, large business, that in fact the, you know, you wear many hats, don't you, and you, you don't have the yeah. large corporate structure to support, you don't have a HR function or a legal function or those sorts of things that support executives and getting through their day um what advice do you give to sort of small business really just around knowing what support generally is available there's a mental health um which you just ran through which is which is amazing but there are other support um uh, resources available that are government um led that um many of our listeners may not be aware of where's the best place for them to find these resources
2: well you can you can come via our website is is one avenue we try and make sure it's as convenient as possible to tap into those programs some of them are a government funded some of them are just darn good resources you know and so we try and bring some of those together and and the, the there's some self-help resources sometimes it's just a matter of taking a moment yes you know and and, and hearing yourself breathe and just collecting collecting your sense of you know there's plenty of Plenty to be fortunate about, and it's a moment just to collect that and not be overwhelmed, because that's often the symptoms. Paul, it's often people just saying they're feeling overwhelmed. We often talk about the importance of industry associations like the ARA. Um, one of the recurring emotional senses that business owners have is this sense of loneliness. It's, mm. it's you know, particularly if you operate, you're a sole trader or you. You don't have a regular team about you. You're a professional service provider. It can be, you know, you can be on your own a lot, and 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 that sense of of, of um, you know isolation and, and and loneliness can actually really impact. But moreover, not having the conversations with other peers means you miss out on the benefit of their pathfinding. Mm. You know, very rarely in business is a problem that you're confronting. Very rarely are you the first person who's ever had to deal with it. And usually amongst a peer group or through an industry association, you can tap really good wisdom and can help you navigate that. So that's another thing we've been encouraging. That new access for small business owners program with through Beyond Blue and with the Richmond Fellowship, that's a that's a real key resource. And check out some of the online apps around emotional wellness. Um, you know, that Smiling Minds app that you can get. There's, uh, some of the digital service providers put resources out there. Um, and then, you know, even business.gov.au is a good entry point to find other government-type support. Um, some of which you might not know about. And, and upon learning about it, mm. you might think, you know, that's a pretty useful contribution to what I'm facing right now. So some good resources around there.
1: Fantastic. Thank you for sharing. So just so we're clear, so it is the small and family business ombudsman website that you're referring to doesn't
2: that just roll off the tongue yeah yeah got a couple you can come to us through www.asbfeo.gov.au so that's the acronym for australian small business and family enterprise ombudsman or we have a particular helpful resource portal called my business health so if you just google that in it's got some good tools about you know, running and and navigating and dealing with business challenges, but it also talks about support for the business owner as well, some self-help tools and also a a ready referral click-through to uh, the new access to small business owners' uh, emotional health coaching program. And just on that, if I could give it a plug, Mm. Um, the people that are the coaches are actually small business owners themselves, Uh, so they understand the journey and they've had obviously clinical support, through Beyond Blue and the Richmond Fellowship, but you're actually talking with a coach who's giving you tips and guidance uh, from a position of experience who, who can navigate that with you. So really fantastic.
1: fantastic. Fantastic. Good, absolutely good stuff. Now, now for small business, particularly when you think about the last couple of years, businesses have had to get into this new groove, um, what we're calling a new COVID normal. Living with the virus after extensive lockdowns across the country have certainly been Challenging. What advice do you think? What were the key learnings that came out of, you know, this last couple of years? And what advice would you give small business right now? Well, I
2: suppose the first one is we—if we ever needed a reminder that business planning needed a strong resilience dimension to it, we would have got that message Mm. last year. I mean, there really is a need to build in some contingencies, not to run your business strategy so hard that there's no wiggle and recovery room. And I think that's a that's a good lesson. We saw some, you know, people running with modest cash balances in their business, which if everything's going well, it is no issue. Um, but if you hit some headwinds that are a little unexpected, then that becomes a bigger issue, no matter how profitable you are, you know, it's cash flow that keeps the pulse in the business. So that was number one. Number two, I guess Paul is this this digital engagement. We mm. saw some really fascinating numbers uh, over last year where a real uptick in digital engagement was what was so needed to keep businesses going about, you know, where we've seen those people go down a more digitally engaged business path. It's been key driver to their success and, you know, we're seeing two out of five have found themselves to be more profitable, a third were more, uh, sorry, two out of five were more Uh, productive Mm. and that's because the tech's not just about channels to market platforms it's actually how the back end of your business operates as well and you know you've been in business I've been in business we didn't wake up in the morning thinking gee I can't wait to lodge your bass this quarter (laughs) or this month you know that's not why we got in it but but tools can be really great in ensuring compliance and back end operational efficiency so that we can bring our game to what is magical about what we do and focus more on that and And that's what people have been finding, 40% more productive, a third more profitable. But interestingly, 85% of small business owners who used more digital tools last year now say, I'm going to keep doing that. That's That's a big part of my business going forward. So that's another part of it. Um, You know, really, the other thing is, it hasn't it proven so important to stay connected with your customer base? Mm. You know, even when sales were tough, you saw really smart businesses last year just keeping that rapport going. You know, they were they were offering like we're doing here. You know, thought leadership conversations. You know, really being of broader value and having a relationship with their with their customers, not just someone they can sell goods and services to, and that that stead them stood them in good stead as uh, as they came out the other side. Um, good good referrals, strong relationships, a really good basis to uh, to carry the business forward. so we saw a lot of that and I think that that's a good formula for the future, particularly as these channels come in and you know a, a less personal mode of doing business emerges mainly out of price mm. um, but you know you want to get out of that commodified, lower margin contest you need to do something quite special and uh, I, I think we saw a lot of that happening during COVID and uh, seeing more of that happening into the new year.
1: Uh, absolutely and it's interesting you touch then Bruce on the digital transformation of small business and you know and for retailers generally I guess what what they did see is that you know as recently as a decade ago, they saw digital really as being a disruptor and something to mm. be feared, and in fact, uh, uh, online was was you know certainly seen as the the demon. But in fact, today uh, through COVID, uh, what we've seen is that retailers have seen there's a great great insurance for them to be able to trade when they can't physically open up their stores. It made a massive difference to um, from from cafes to restaurants to to um, merchandise related retailers, their ability to trade and the reliance on digital has been really um, an interesting transformation
2: yeah and i think it shows you know a decade ago remember the conversation there's a a real business and there's a digital business yes i'd say there's no such thing as a business that's not digital these days
1: absolutely Uh, you
2: have to be and there's opportunities in being so and there's a real challenge too because if you're not offering that channel that mode of engagement uh your competitors will be and You know, whether it's a more commodified, platform-driven, thinner margin, you know, use one of the platforms to get a whole bunch of eyeballs you you couldn't get otherwise, but then realise you're going to be set alongside everybody else Mm. trying to do the same thing versus using digital to describe what's unique, what's different, what's special about your offering. And in some cases, you know, the, the granularity of the offering, even I've seen down my part of the world, even scuba dive shops, um, being able to promote the fact that they carry just about every bit of part and kit. Yes, and yes. That's built a real strong relationship for everything else they do in their business. That, yeah, you can go and get, you know, the common or garden one here, but if you've got something bespoke, unique, a little different, always come to us. And, and, and you know, they're building a whole business off that whole ethos.
1: Absolutely. Now, Bruce, I could talk to you all day, but we haven't got that time. So I'm going to, my last question to you is um, what is your dream for the sector? What's on the horizon? do you think, for small business that you're really excited about?
2: Well, I think everybody knows that if we're going to lift wealth creation, productivity and opportunities in our country, the drive for that will come from small and family businesses. Mm. Now, we've seen that even, you know, late last year, there was a ministerial declaration across the OECD saying, yeah, small and family businesses, they'll be at the heart of the recovery. And even a a few years earlier, it was uh, around the G20 was talking about you want to accelerate growth. It's going to be the entrepreneurship and innovation of small business. I'm hoping that is a widely embraced uh, trend, that everyone sees that, and that the plight of small and family businesses is top of mind, bright on the radar screen, and we get to see respect and admiration for those enterprising men and women. But an ecosystem, a, a policy environment that is makes Australia the best place to start, grow, and transform a business. That's what I'm jazzed about, and that's what keeps me going. All about energising enterprise, and I think there's lots of people who share that ambition, and uh, we'll keep working. You will know we're done, Paul, when we are the very best place to start, grow, and transform a business, but we've got work to do.
1: Absolutely. And Bruce, thanks for joining us today in the Amex land. You've been so generous with your insights and feedback. Thank you for your hard work supporting the retail sector and small business more broadly, of course. So keep up the great work. You're doing an amazing job. Thanks, Bob. Great to be with you in the audience. Take care. Joining me now for a quick fireside chat is Mark Newman, CEO at Dimix. You've recently shared that the pandemic triggered a strong increase in customers who are shopping at DEMIX with purpose. Can you tell us more about this, as well as how American Express Business Insights and Marketing can help
0: you identify customer trends and meet your marketing objectives going forward? What we mean by uh, shopping with purpose is that during the pandemic, sales conversion rates and average transaction value have increased. Um, This shows us that more customers are coming into our stores with a higher propensity to buy. Um, We've seen that people have rediscovered reading during the pandemic um, and have also taken up new hobbies um, or taken the time to learn a new skill. All of these things mean an increase in book buying. Um, And DIMMICs have always been known for having one of the widest ranges of books and staff who are well-read and able to make good recommendations. We have been able to work with the American Express Insights team to identify particular customer segments that are able to target for emerging categories such as mind, body, spirit or self-help and wellness, which have been trends during the pandemic so that we can ensure that we carry the best range of books for that new customer trend.
1: Thanks for chatting, Mark. Congratulations on all the great work you're doing at Demix and all the best for the future. Thank you. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. We can be found wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. For more information about the work we do at the Australian Retailers Association, head to our website, retail.org.au. Follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, wherever you love to connect. All the links can be found in the show notes.